0: Okay, so 68 and 69, wonderful opportunity for me to share briefly about them, mostly 68. But I want to just tell you, 68 and 69, I was thinking about this. I'm like, Lord, you don't you don't do things by chance. There's a reason behind even the simplest of things. Sometimes we see that, sometimes we don't. And in this case, uh, as I was praying and preparing over these series of Psalms that we're reading this week, I realized pretty quick that 68 and 69... Are especially impactful, and they actually provide me with kind of bookends to my faith journey with Jesus. Psalm sixty-eight, five and six, uh, I'll share in just a second. Uh, in my first year walking with Jesus, I'm, I'm going on year. I think I'm on year thirty. Uh, crazy, think about that—thirty years with Jesus. I feel like a rookie. I feel like I'm just starting. But but 68, 5, and 6, my first year walking with Jesus, I'll I'll tell you why in a second, was profoundly impactful. Changed my life. 69, last year, in fact, I'm going to turn there in my Bible. You don't have this written in yours because I wrote it in mine. In in 69, uh, verse 2, it says, I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. This is David. And he says, my eyes are swollen with weeping, those who hate me without cause, etc., etc. Uh, oh, God, you know how foolish I am down in verse 5. Uh, Don't let those who trust in you be ashamed of me uh, because of me. And I wrote my margin in verse 2. I'm in deep water, floods overwhelm me. Uh, this is how I feel now, June of 19. That's how I feel now. So just last year, I was in the depths of crying out to God, like, God, I, I feel like um, and I shared a little bit about this before, but I got to the point where I actually uttered the words of my wife. I think I'm done. So, so obviously I'm not, no, 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 not, not in our marriage. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you know, there was one time, right? I forgot at the end of a wedding to have the bride and groom kiss. And I look out, my wife's sitting in the crowd and she's like, forgot to kiss. You know, she's doing like the lip smack look. You've saved me so many times. Yeah, our marriage is rocking. She was there, she was there in the, in the throes of all this. But yeah, done ministry with ministry. Like I thought my tenure was done. I thought I was going to find another line of work. So so there's the bookends, 30 years, the beginning, 68, let's just turn, 68 if you would, if you're falling at home, 68, 5, and 6. Check this out, father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families, he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy, and he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. See, I was uh, just turned 19. And uh this may not be new for some, but those of you who don't know much of my testimony, when I was nineteen, uh my my beginning of my second year at Cal Poly, I got a phone call from my uncle uh on the line. He said, George just passed away and I and I have an uncle George and I have my dad's my father's name is George. And I and I asked him, you know, who? Which which George? You know, pretty important, right? And I said, Your dad. So that that was if if I came to Christ in the winter of 89. Yeah, I'm going to get my dates right. Uh, this would have been the fall. So about nine months walking with Jesus to get that phone call, and it, it dramatically changed my life. Okay, so uh, I'll try and keep this real brief, but basically the morning of the funeral, uh, all the time between finding out, getting that phone call, flying home, and it was right before the earthquake. You guys are old enough to remember the earthquake in the Bay Area and whatnot. It was like I was in that airport right before all that the ceiling tiles came down in San Jose. It's crazy think about, but all along, I'm worrying about my mom, my mom, my mom. And my, I wasn't really worrying about myself. I knew God was going to be with me even at an early walk with him. But, but my mom was going to be, you know, a widow and young, relatively young. So anyways, uh, night, of the, night of the funeral, after the funeral, kind of like all the activity, you guys have been in similar situations, I'm sure, where the adrenaline's kind of taking a, a you know, downturn and you're kind of going to normalcy of what the new normal would be like, and I was just sitting in my, in my living room by myself. Everybody else had gone to bed, and I and I was like, Lord, I, it was really where I was just feeling the, the gravity. Like, my dad's not going to be around anymore. Like, I'm 19. I just turned 19. What does that mean for me? Anyway, thinking about my mom and just bumming. You guys have been there where you just need something from the Lord, and uh, you don't want it to be feeling stuff. You don't want it to be like, oh, I felt this really neat energy surge, or I wanted something solid, something I could uh put my feet firmly on and this was it literally had my bible I was nine months in the lord so i didn't know where to look per se but i was like lord your word is true i believe it lead me to something that's going to be bedrock and i just had that kind of m- moment with the lord so i just opened my bible and i started turning the pages and would you know five and six is what i landed on five and six I'm looking, I literally, it wasn't like I looked around the pages. It was just I, I remember vividly putting my eyes to the okay, I'll stop here, look down, and it says Father, the Father's Defender of Widows, his God in his holy habitation. That has changed my life. And I've found it to be true over 30 years now. See, I'm almost I'm almost to the second half of the hill, if you will, but I I still need a father. I am a father. I have a married son, and I still need a father. And praise the Lord for 30 years, even in the depths of despair, even to get to the point last June, a year ago, literally a year ago, my wife and I were just talking about this. I, was, I got to the point where I was like, Lord, I love you, but I'm, I'm done with ministry for, for various reasons, and I, and I work through a lot of stuff. I got really tired, and a number of reasons. And I was forced to a sabbatical uh, of two months. Just to be able, it was a gift from the leaders just saying, hey, Lord's with you, we're with you, let's talk through things, let's change some things that need to change, but we're with you. And I had that support and came out raring to go after two months, I think after probably five or six weeks. It was like going in the ICU and then transferred to the a room and then feeling like, okay, I'm resting well, and then discharged and a little bit of rehab. And then finally, ready to run again, and, and we've been going since. And I feel like my 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 sense of renewal is definitely there. So a lot of this, sixty eight, sixty nine. I'm like, are you kidding? I either to preach on this 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 weekend, this Sunday. And and I don't want to take all the time with my story, but I just wanted to let you know if you can relate to any of that, um, either now in my past of sudden loss, sudden change of your life, it's a completely different moment. One, to moment, two, like it doesn't look anything and you know it's never going to be the same. If you're in that throes, even if you're watching online, if that's you today, the uh, Lord's with you. Lord's with you. He's going to be faithful. He's going to be the father who is the father to the one who doesn't have one. and he's, and, he's, and he's going to be a faithful protector of those who are most vulnerable being the widow. So you can put yourself somewhere in there, right? Even if you haven't experienced those kind of traumatic things. Or if you're just in the low of the lows where you're like, I think I'm done. And whatever. It could be your marriage. It could be life itself. I'm done living. Maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you're watching online. The Lord can take you through those seasons and bring you out. Sometimes he has to take you out to a place of ICU, intensive care. And in and, and this Psalm 68, I'm going to race through it this morning. I hope that it would be that for us because there's some really cool things that David's, David's going to remind us of. So rejoice in me. I want this focus to be on me, not for purposes of saying, wow, James, you really came through. Good job. You're, you're a good guy. You must really love Jesus because he's been so good to you over those years. It's like, no. No. God's just good. God's just faithful. God's real. God loves you and he made a way for you to enter the most holy place where his presence beyond fullness of joy. Amen? Amen? Ah, I still have a sermon. <laughs> I can just thank you, Lord, and close it up. All right, I got I gotta to get to the word. Psalm 68. Uh, most commentators believe this psalm is connected with the coming of the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, as written in Second Samuel chapter 6. If you're taking notes, Second Samuel chapter 6, celebrating not only that event, but also the faithfulness of God to give Israel victory over enemies and to make Jerusalem secure enough to bring the Ark into the city. So David is thinking back on these momentous uh, works of God, both with Moses and in Sinai, and, and, and the bringing the people out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land and bringing an end to the, the occupation that stood before them with many, many different people groups that were stronger than the Israelites. And all this history, and David is, now has this premonition that, wow, the Lord's continuing to be faithful. He's doing his will, and here we are. We're going to bring the ark into the city of God. So that's kind of the overall theme. David's going to point out a few things, and you can follow along with the slide I had a lot of fun. Uh, There's alliterations where all your points, you know, if you're a good preacher, you can make all your points start with the same letter. Well, I have 12. But you're going to have to use your imagination. (laughs) All right. First one starts with a P. Because Psalm starts with a P. I don't know why, but it does. David's plea, one through two. These are such encouraging scriptures. Listen to this. One through two. Rise up, O God, and scatter your enemies. Let those who hate God run for their lives. Blow them away like smoke. Melt them like wax in a fire. Let the wicked perish in the presence of God. This is David's plea. He starts off right away with a pretty bold prayer, yeah, saying, God, scatter your enemies. Um, you know, Numbers 10, this would be for the Israelites, for the Jewish people. They would instantly think about a particular scripture Again, if you're taking notes, you can put down in your margin, even in your Bible there, Numbers 10. Numbers 10, uh, which describes the departure of Israel from Mount Sinai towards the promised land. And check this out. As they marched, as the people marched, the Ark of the Covenant led the way. Okay? Led the way. So the Ark, the presence of God, the one that God gave them to make, directions specifically to how to make it, Would end up being in the center of the tabernacle and the temple eventually in Jerusalem. But as they marched, as they depart from receiving the law and the commandments from God, through Moses, his servant, the ark leads the way. And so it was, check this out, it says in Numbers 35, or uh, chapter 10, 35. So it was, whenever the ark set out, Moses said, rise up, Lord, let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. Same thing. So if you're an Israelite and you heard this opening of this penman of this song by David, you would instantly think about those things, wouldn't you? It's not a mistake. It's on purpose. So here they go. They're taking a journey and he's saying, God, your presence, nobody can stand. Like smoke and like wax. Smoke is not the strongest substance. You get a nice wave of your hand, smoke can go the other direction. Wax, we all know, melts before a fire. Think about Uh, Those of God's enemies in front of his presence being brought before him. They're going to it's the same image. There's nothing that can stand before a holy, righteous God. So that's his plea is God, would you just remove those who are against you? Blow them away like smoke, melt them like wax. Pretty bold, but it's his plea. Next, the prescription. But let godly let the godly rejoice. So you have one reaction. The juxtaposition here is you have the ungodly where they will not stand. But then you have let the godly rejoice, rejoice, have joy again. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. I would just simply ask you today, is that your experience with the Lord? If you don't know what it's like to be received by God, you cannot have the joy of God. If you don't know what it's like to be saved by God, you can't experience the confidence before God the holy majesty of, of the throne of God. So you're either in one of two places, right? You can't be kind of in the middle like, yeah, I kind of know about God. And he's kind of cool. He's my buddy. He's my co-pilot. This is either you melt like wax or you actually rejoice and you have joy in his presence. There's no, there's no middle ground there. And the way you have joy is just like we sang. Your confidence is not in yourself because you know if you look internally, raise your hand if this is true for you, it's true for me. I look internally, I get depressed. I get sad. I get bummed. I'm like, I should be farther along. 30 years walking with Jesus, and I'm still struggling with the same sins? What's going on? Why am I a failure? Why don't I do as well as other people in the faith? Throw that out. God already knows it. We all experience it to some degree, don't we? Am I alone here? Not if you got masks on. It's hard to tell, but I think you're you think you're feeling it with me that that you you the only way you have joy is because you receive the forgiveness and the pardon from the one who melts like wax blows away like smoke but once you do once you have come to the place where you realize Jesus took my punishment thereby, thereby I can be fully loved and received by the father who's holy and majestic and righteous even the elders and the and the and the and the, and the angels around the throne singing holy 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 there's none like god we can hand have confidence in there. So David's prescription is to rejoice. Rejoice. Remind yourself again. When you get in a place where you're depressed and you're looking internally or you're feeling uncertain about your future. Remind yourself. Rejoice. Go into that place again of God's presence where fillness, where you'll be filled with joy. So that's his prescription. Let's keep going. Oh, by the way, Spurgeon on commentary on this passage says wax is hard by itself, but put it to the fire and how soft it is. Wicked men are haughty till they come into contact with the Lord, and then they faint for fear. Their hearts melt like wax when they feel the power of his anger. Sobering, huh? But true. But true. All right, let's go ahead. Uh, The third one. David's presenting God as the provider and the protector. I made reference to it earlier that he's a father to the fatherless. And he's a defender of widows. You know, widows. We think today, social security or life insurance policies, something like that. When you put yourself back in time, though, widows were the most at risk, most defenseless, most uh, apt to be taken advantage of, most vulnerable. Right. So he's saying you have the fatherless. Same same description could be said to them, especially the younger you are. But but the fatherless, if, especially if it's a male, can grow up and defend himself. But he's just making sure we get the point, right? God is a defender. He's also a provider. He's a protector. He's a provider. So he's looking at God as both. I want, to, I want to just illuminate a couple things that even this past week, you guys, of God using his people to be this to other people. So he can do it directly, but he also uses the family of God. Just this past week, there was a pastor in town. We were at a pastor's prayer meeting. I'm trying to keep this brief. He was talking about an opportunity where we have the opportunity to feed um, people in need through boxes. There's a local church, Canyon Hills. Praise the Lord for Canyon Hills Church. They're getting about over 1,500 of these boxes starting in July for people in need. And he invited the other leaders of the other churches to get involved. He's like, this is a Canyon Hills thing. My friend Rich was talking about this. He's all, this is a church thing. It's specifically a program that's created for people from the faith community to be vessels of blessing to their uh, neighbors in need. So that's just this last week. God's doing something really cool. I'm actually, I don't, I have no idea how we're going to participate other than if you know somebody in need and you want to give them a box, let me know. If you want to be involved in somehow, let me know. I'm just forming a team now. It's exploratory at this point, but it's pretty cool because we can do whatever we want and get these boxes in the people that are, being, you know, shut in or in need. So hey, let me know if you want to be interest, if you want to be involved in that in some degree. It could be just taking one box to somebody you know personally and saying, the Lord loves you. He's a, what? Quote verse 5. He's a father to the father. a defender of widows. This is an extension of that love to you, practically. Isn't that cool? One, one, one way. Another way. Uh, yesterday, I got a call from one of our sisters in the fellowship who works at a hospital. And she got word and a request came in for uh, someone to visit a family, a couple who had uh, a baby that was not doing well, in fact, looking at um, death. So I got on the phone, I called a brother, and I'm like, hey, uh, I have a couple names that maybe some guys can go, but if you feel called, pray about it, and off he went. He just got home. He went back right in, into his car, went to the hospital, and got to minister and pray with this couple that were in the throes of grief and, and despair because they lost their baby. Just praying and anointing with oil and just laying hands on them. I mean, just amazing picture of a blessing of, of God using his people, right, to minister right at the source of anguish. Um, and, I, and I think of just God moving and blessing us. That's just from this past week. There's other things that God wants to do to use you to be a blessing to the fatherless, to the widow. So pray. You know, if you don't have a direct conduit or a direct recipient in mind right now, just pray and see what God does. It's pretty cool. Or jump on board with the food distribution. It could be a really cool opportunity for you to see this in action. But God, praise the Lord, puts solitary in families. You have a family in Christ. It goes beyond blood relatives that sometimes aren't there. Either God takes them to the next life or there's strife within the family. There's just opportunity for you to be in the body of Christ means, guess what? You get a bonus of other sisters, other brothers, other mothers, other fathers, grandparents, kids. Our kids are almost out of the house. We're so pumped. We get to see all of your kids. Just, just keep them coming. <laughs> Wait proper time wait on the Lord. But yeah, we love kids is all I'm trying to say. We love kids. We want to babysit as soon as this COVID thing's done. Okay. But be a part of it. God uses people to be uh, what he proclaims himself to be. It's amazing. Okay. Four. Boy, we're going to get through them, I promise. Uh, four. Seven through ten. Uh, this is pointing David pointing to past provision. Let's read it. Oh, God, when you led your people out from Egypt... When you marched through the dry wasteland, the earth trembled and the heavens poured down rain. Before you, the God of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You sent abundant rain, O God, to refresh the weary land. There your people finally settled and with a bountiful harvest, O God, you provided for your needy people. So he's faithful even through the desert wasteland. And he's saying you led people out of captivity, out of slavery... You poured down rain and blessing upon them, and they became your people in a relationship because God's always been a relationship God, and he will always continue to be so. God is a relational God. He affords us a relationship with him. Never take that for granted. That's a gift that he affords his people. He wants to be involved in our lives in every detail, and he's faithful even through the dry wasteland like he was to the people of Israel. It said the needy or the people were needy, and he responded with blessing. Isn't that awesome? Five, David reminds them of God's power and protection. We're keeping the peas going. Power and protection, verses 11 through 14. Read with me. The Lord gives the word, and a great army brings the good news. Enemy kings and their armies flee while the women of Israel divide the plunder. Even those who lived among the sheepfolds found treasures, doves with wings of silver and feathers of gold. The Almighty scattered the enemy kings like a blowing snowstorm on Mount Zalman. We don't know exactly what mountain that is. But the Almighty, Shaddai, El Shaddai is often where it's seen in the scriptures too. But basically, uh, Genesis 17.1. Basically, the Almighty, there's no one greater than him. Uh, all enemy kings and all armies flee. We have really truly, guys, we have truly nothing to fear. Right? You think about that. Let that settle in for a second. God has the ultimate word. He gives the word. We have nothing to fear. And a great army is bringing great news. That's all of us to this day. We project David's words into now. We're the great army. We bring good news. He gives the word, though. He gives the word. He's faithful. And enemy kings flee. See, we can't give in to fear. There's a lot to fear right now, you guys. There's a lot to fear, isn't there? I mean, every day you wake up. I, I stop. I had to. I had to get rid of some of the news feeds that i was getting because i was just getting too filled with fear you know i had to be spending more time in the word so i could have less fear than just news that gives me more fear hopefully uh, you guys have that same experience in the word it brings about faith okay reminding of god's power and protection six uh continuing on 15 through 17 david's pondering of god's pick of zion zion is there's a couple of uses for that term uh, biblically, but let's read right here what it says. The mountains of Bashan are majestic with many peaks stretching high into the sky. Why do you look with envy, O rugged mountains, at Mount Zion where God has chosen to live, where the Lord himself will live forever? Bashan mountains are up in the north. Uh, we were just there in February. Mount Zion uh, is in the south, Jerusalem, where God chose not the most majestic mountains. This is so God, right? Doesn't take the most majestic peaks. Picks a lower peak and said, this, was, this is where my presence is going to be. And David's just going on that. Like David knows what it's like to not be the tallest dude and get picked. Yeah? He does that with all of us. Who am I, God? What am I doing here? How come I get this blessed? Why did you use me? Guys, be in awe. God wants to use you no matter who you are, no matter what your state is, no matter what you've been gifted with. God takes the lowly and confuses the wise. Why? Because the wise because he gets the glory for it, right? So it's pretty cool to be in that place. If if you don't feel confident, you're in a good good place. God just use me cuz I'm available. Just be just be available. Zion apparently was available. He picked it. He put his presence there. Pretty cool. And that still that is there to be looking at or looked at today. What a great view it is as well. If you ever have a chance to go to Israel, please please get Uh, Do everything you can to get there, because you get reminded of God's faithfulness uh, indeed. Okay, moving on. Number seven, David's prophecy of the Messiah. Verses 18, 18 through 20. These are amazing scriptures. When you ascended to the heights, you led a crowd of captives. You received gifts from the people, even from those who rebelled against you. Now the Lord God will live among us there. Praise the Lord. Praise God, our Savior, for each day he carries us in his arms. Our God is a God who saves. The Sovereign Lord rescues us from death. I just put a big cross right next to that section. That's our Savior. He is a God who saves, the Messiah. David is pointing forth. And and it's interesting. uh, Listen to David Gusick's commentary on the Psalms on this passage. He says, with the direct leading of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul quoted Psalm 68, 18 and applied it to Jesus. Keeping the context, but changing one key word. Check this out. It's so cool. Paul quoted, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Ephesians 4 8. Paul applied this to the ascension of Jesus into heaven and his sending of the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to his church. The one word Paul changed by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was receive gifts to gave gifts. Isn't that cool? Man, Jesus led a procession after victory. And he was able to give, what, his Holy Spirit to his church. He's like, it's better if I go so you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's where we're at right now. This is the age of which he's talking about. We have the Holy Spirit as a gift to us in Christ. And he's doing great things. And he's spreading his love out through us. And he's wanting to rescue others around us from death. So that they don't have to be fearful in his presence. So they can have confidence and joy. Um, let's see. Moving on. Number eight. David gives us a sobering reminder that God does punish. We don't like to think about this too much, but it's a reality. And actually, if you think about it to the extent of it, you get to a place of rejoicing over it. And here's uh, a little taste of that in 21 through 23. Keep going with me. We're almost done. But God will smash the head of his enemies crushing the skulls of those who love their guilty ways. The Lord says, I will bring my enemies down from Bashan. I will bring them up from the depths of the sea, and you, my people, will wash your feet in their blood, and even your dogs will get their share. That's sobering. But it's true. And here's a little, uh, a part of the reason why you can rejoice that God is is, is the one who brings out justice is because there is justice. If you don't have an end punishment to sin... You have anarchy, chaos, and no end to the depths of which evil can spread. But if you have a just God ultimately judging sin, providing a solution through the Savior, but also punishing evil, enemies of God, there is a point of uh, retribution and, and giving out of justice that is needed for there to be true meaning of evil and good. Because if evil is evil, it is worth punishing. And the only reason why we aren't punished is because Jesus steps in and before us and says, I will take the due justice. I will give them release because I am the one who paid the penalty. See, there has to be justice. If there's no justice, you have a weak judge. You have an incompetent judge. You have an unfaithful judge. You have somebody who says, this person murdered my spouse. And then he says, the judge this is, he or she says, they go free with no restitution at all. You're left standing with, this is not right, right? There has to be a just God at the end of all things. Praise the Lord that just God has chosen to be merciful to us sinners. So you get best of both worlds. You get a God who continues to punish, at the same time pardons. Two more Ps, just for bonus. Punishment, but yet pardon. It's glorious when you think about it. No other place can you find that than Christianity. Simultaneously can be true. And uh, heading on. Boy, I don't know if we're going to make it. I promise, though. I promise. 24 through 27. Your procession has come into view, O God. The procession of my king and, and my God as he goes into the sanctuary. Singers are in front. Musicians behind. Between them are young women playing tambourines. You have this image of people in a parade, right? Celebrating what? Celebrating God's victory. Praise God, verse 26, all you people of Israel. Praise the Lord, the source of God's, of Israel's life, rather. Praise the Lord, the source of Israel's life. I love how that's put. It's a procession. It's an image of God's people rejoicing. And look, the little tribe of Benjamin's leading the way. Here we go, the little tribe. Not the most powerful, not the most numerous. The little tribe is leading the way of Benjamin. And then comes a great throng of rulers from Judah and all the rulers of Zebulun and Naphtali. Some of the uh, tribes of Israel are named here by name. But the image is what? We have a victorious king. Today, right now, our God, our God reigns. Okay, moving on. Petition of Yahweh, 28 through 31. Summon your might, O God! Display your power, O God, as you have in the past. The kings of the earth are bringing tribute to your temple in Jerusalem. Rebuke those enemy, these enemy nations, these wild animals lurking in the reeds. This herd of bulls among the weaker calves. Make them bring bars of silver in the humble tribute. Scatter the nations that delight in war. Let Egypt come with gifts of precious metals. Let Ethiopia bring tribute uh, to God. This is a this is a petition of Yahweh, saying, God again. Bring your enemies to ruin, but bring your people prosperity. Scatter the nations who delight in war. And even let Egypt, our former oppressors, come with gifts of worship to you. It's a beautiful prayer when you break it down. Two left. In verses 32 through 33, this is David's call the nations to praise God. Let's read it. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praises to the Lord. Sing to the one who rides across the ancient heavens. His mighty voice thundering from the sky. This is the purpose of all humanity. The purpose of all the nations. David's call to the nations. Inviting them, really, to say, you don't have to be enemies of God. You don't have to be. God's going to welcome those who repent. Those who submit. Those who welcome his rulership as the king of kings. And it's the same for us. And lastly, thirty-three through 34-35, Tell everyone about God's power. His majesty shines down on Israel. His strength is mighty in the heavens. God is awesome in his sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. So this is his charge. That we proclaim who he is and his character. And that's a privilege that we get to enjoy. That God employs us to be available to go visit those who are in the hospital to go visit those who are suffering to be a a vessel of mercy and grace and obviously the good news that we don't have to be an enemy of god that we don't have to see his punishment at the end of our lives even consequences to our sin now but that we have a, a an ability to say we can rejoice because we know the god of israel and he indeed is the one who's reigning and we will proclaim that with his power of his holy spirit plenty of reasons guys David points it out, plenty of reasons. So why don't we have Nick and Jill come up again? By the way, Jill, way to rock that harmonica. My goodness, that was insane. I was like, come on, Jill, go. And you did it. That was awesome. Let's stand together, guys. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you today that we can stand in your presence. Lord, uh, use Paul to, to proclaim above all else, Ultimately, for us to stand with our full armor of God on, being ready for battle, being ready for a spiritual battle. And Lord, we do. We don't want to be caught sleeping. We don't want to be caught lazy. We want to be about your kingdom and spreading that good news. And so, Lord, empower us, your people, to do just that, to be vessels of your love, practically serving and loving our neighbor, our community members, all the way to, Lord, just leading people to the forgiveness available through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the, the wonderful psalms, the journal entries. And Lord, I personally just thank you for being faithful. And Lord, I know there's a lot of people that just starting their walks with you. There's a lot of people that have had many more years of walking with you, Lord. And, and, and I'm just somewhere in the middle, but I, I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for being my father. For being the one that's been faithful to my mom. For being the one who proclaims his goodness and keeps it. And is faithful to proclaim And also fulfill your word. So Jesus, help us rejoice now as we close in worship. And we just thank you for uh, our time together.